We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm 68. Field of 68 till I die. You got somebody, hey, Jeff, shut up. No. I'm sorry, man. I'm blacked out for a second. <laughs> this is Coach Bruce Pearl. I love the Field of 68. I listen to it all the time. This is Duke head coach John Shire. Check out Field of 68 After Dark. This is Xavier head coach Sean Miller. I highly encourage you to take a look at After Dark, led by the one and only John Fanta. Now listen to you guys every morning when I'm getting ready. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors. This is Field of 68 After Dark. It's the Field of 68 After Dark, and we are capping the week that was in college basketball. I don't know if you guys know this. People at home, I'm talking to you. Rob, PY, I'm talking to you. Michigan season is still alive. Hunter Dickinson with a buzzer beater to send the game to overtime. They win in overtime. I've got some energy tonight, boys. I can't wait. I just alluded to it. We got Patrick Young here. We got Rob Doster here. My name is Greg Waddell. This is After Dark, brought to you by Bet Rivers. You can listen to us live on Sirius XM channel 84. And if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, Shout out to you. Get in the chat, by the way. We'll answer your questions every single commercial break, and we'll stick around after the show for the afters as well. That's where things get chaotic. Gentlemen, you look great as always. P.Y., before the show, the question was, would we get a shirtless Patrick Young tonight? Care to comment on that? Uh, You know, I really thought about it, and I thought long and hard, and I just didn't think it was the wisest choice. Um, But next time, next time for sure, I think I'll, I'll pull the guns and the pecs out. See if we get some more viewers in, and um, yeah, without and I won't even say anything. I'll just show up right right before the show starts. So it's just a reaction for an overreaction for everybody. Rob is uh, a company P-Y. man. Are, I'm, are I'm you currently? Going I'm currently mocking up a t uh, just a, a tank top for uh, for Py to put in the merch store that just says allergic to sleeves. Hey, nice. <laughs> I'll promote the hell out of that. Yeah, I bet you yeah. will, man. <laughs> I will promote the hell out. Rob's a company guy. Are we getting you shirtless if PY won't? I mean, it seems like you set the tone. Somebody needs to be shirtless by the end of the hey, show. I don't look, know. Ben, you, you, we got to wait until we get a little bit of beach time here. Might uh might blind some people. All right. Respect. <laughs> I understand it. Uh, gentlemen, what a wild way to start the show. But what a wild week of college basketball, right? Particularly this weekend. If you watched After Dark last night, you know all of the chaos that unfolded in the sport. We had buzzer beaters galore. We had upsets. We had some of the top teams getting signature wins as we head closer and closer to the NCAA tournament. And we have a lot to get to tonight. We're going to wade into the Big Ten. 
one of the messiest leagues in recent memory in Power Conference college basketball. We're going to talk about some teams that are chasing down that fourth number one seed. Potentially, could they catch the Purdue Boilermakers who are clinging on to that number one line right now? We're going to get into a bunch of resurgent teams, teams we thought were dead and gone earlier in the season. I'm talking North Carolina, Kentucky, UConn, plenty more. That's later in the show. But like I said, first, we're going to start in my territory. We're going to start with the Big Ten. And I think we have to start with Hunter Dickinson shot and Michigan season that once was on life support. That's the term I've been using for weeks. Suddenly looks like it has very real chances of jolting itself back up and making its way to the NCAA tournament. Uh, The victory over Wisconsin today, critical to say the least. They've got at Illinois, at Indiana next week, both senior nights for those two talented teams. Michigan's got to steal one of them to feel like they even have a chance, but they weren't going to have that chance if Hunter Dickinson did not catch the ball with two seconds left, take one dribble to his left, and heave a prayer that went in. Pat, first of all, how shocked were you that Hunter Dickinson made that shot in that setting? Well, I I always try to put myself into the shoes of players especially big guys and understandably I never took a three-pointer in my college career so it's really hard for me to put myself in those shoes I have no idea what that would feel like but you got to imagine uh no no one really thought that that shot was going to go in um but hey when you I I attest that to his preparation and his leadership because you don't you don't knock a shot down like that that's not just luck you know I, I guarantee he's been working his butt off on expanding his range and Gave his team an opportunity there, and we saw what happened in overtime. Pretty, pretty incredible. And a shout out to Caitlin Clark. I watched that full game uh-huh. earlier today. She's unbelievable. She, she's like as soon as that thing came off my hand, it's money. So uh, I got a chance to see two buzzer beaters live today. That was I, pretty. I love that. That quote was unbelievable. They were like, "So how did you feel?" Honestly, I thought I hit it. Like, I love that. I love that answer from her. She's got a. Yeah. Uh, She's got some swag, man. She's got she's got some shit to her. Um, I'm a big fan, a big fan. And that that just kind of enca- encapsulates what this weekend was, Greg. And I, I hate to go off script, and I always go off script, so I know that you kind of were prepared for this. But I think that this was the best weekend of basketball, period, specific, and also college basketball that I've seen in I don't even know how long. That game between uh, the Sixers and the Celtics was unbelievable last night, right? Yesterday in college hoops, that was March. I don't care what anybody says. I know we still got a week before we get the conference tournaments or whatever. Like that was March. We had teams coming back from 25 points to hand game winners at the buzzer. We had Iowa coming back from 13 down with a minute and 34 seconds left uh, tying games at the buzzer, scoring 11 points in 55 seconds, right? Second greatest comeback in the history of the NCAA tournament. We had top five teams losing. We had literally everything that you could ask for out of a wild day of college basketball. It was awesome. That's why we're here. That's why we love this sport. That's why we're fired up. And specifically about Hunter Dickinson and about Michigan. I mean, look, that's what you want out of your star, right? That's what you ask of him is in those moments to find a way to get something done. Like two seconds left. You're kind of relying on just throwing the ball up to your seven footer and praying that he gets something done. That's not, you know, the, I, I don't think Juwan Howard is going to sit there and say, I grew up, this drew up this great. Drew, right. Yeah. No way. Yeah, look at what I did. I was able to get him a 29 footer. You know, he can get that shot literally anytime he wants because there was a guy that was about this tall guarding him. Um, that was just a dude making a play. And I think it's fair to say, correct me if I'm wrong here, Greg, that one of the issues that we've seen with Michigan so far this season is you didn't have dudes that would go out there and make plays. Hunter mm-hmm. Dickinson had 23 and 10 tonight. He had four assists. Uh, Kobe Bufkin had 28 tonight. Doug okay. McDaniel, RC's guy. 
had 20 points tonight. Uh, they had, they were more than just a one trick pony. They found a way to get a win in a game that did not look like they were going to win. They've now won three in a row. They're 17 and 12 on the season. They're 11 and seven overall. And if they win out, they win these last two games at Indiana and at Illinois. That's not an easy thing to do, but if they do it, 19 wins in the regular season, they'll have uh, they'll have five quad one wins. They'll be sitting there at 11 and 11 against the top two quadrants. That's more than enough to make up for a quad four loss. I think that if they win these two games, I think that they are in regardless of what happens in the Big Ten. As long as they do something stupid like losing to Minnesota. Let me, right? let me ask you this, though. Are they better or worse without Jet Howard right, right now in this picture? So I'm gonna I'm gonna steal this from you, Rob, and I'm gonna do it. Yeah, a I was gonna say I'm gonna see. I know Greg's opinions on this. Yeah, because I've seen so, text messages. So I'm, so I'm just, gonna <laughs> I'm gonna do a shameless uh, Field of 68 Network plug here. I went on uh, Go Blue with Stu, the Michigan podcast here on the Field of 68 with Stu Douglas, and we spent about 15 minutes on this question. Uh, this was before the win streak started. So at the time, I said it was crazy, but I said that. While saying the quote that they're a better team without Jet might not be true, it would be fair to say you might see some bad habits look a little better. Like you might see a little more communication on the defensive end. You might see a little better team effort on the boards. Uh, I think in general, you might see a little better body language. You're going to see less guys take tough shots because it was designed. It was part of the Michigan offense for Jet Howard to go out and take five to six really tough shots because he's that type of shot maker. Now, those shots haven't been going in for a while, and that's affected Jet on both ends, and it's really affected the team on both ends. And when we talk about how good Kobe Bufkin and Doug McDaniel have been, it's no doubt in part because they're now being given opportunities in spots with the ball in their hands that were going straight to Jet Howard for the month before this. And they've delivered, to be honest. And that makes Michigan a more dynamic team. So I don't think Michigan is a better team without Jet. But I think the biggest question for the Wolverines going forward will be how do they integrate him back? He's going to come back healthy. And if he goes back into that 35-minute, 17 shots a game role with a lot of bad shots and still a lot of mistakes defensively, that's where you start to bite your tongue a little bit. Where I mean, Greg, you said body language, was right? One yeah. of the things that really stood out to me is I think you can see it on the other players' faces that they are a little less frustrated at uh, how often they get the ball. Does that make sense? It does feel like there's a little bit of element of of daddy ball there, right? We criticized like Bryce Alford and Steve Alford for this for a long time. We criticized Doug McDermott and, and Greg McDermott for this at certain points. Um, and it does feel like there's a little bit of an element of that. Now, it also so happens that Jed is probably your most talented player so I right. get how that could get a little bit complicated, but I don't think that there is a – it's not a coincidence to me that in the moments when Jed Howard isn't there, you see a guy like Kobe and you see a guy like Doug have some of their best performances because they yeah. have the ball in their hands and a little bit more, and they can kind of showcase what they do instead of setting up this dude running off of 10 screens. Yeah, and you talk about the close game disasters for Michigan earlier this season like of all their losses I think 10 of them have been one possession games down the stretch over half of those games ended with the ball in Jed Howard's hands and not once did he make a play to win so now tonight you need a play made the ball found Hunter Dickinson he found the play I think Kobe Bufkin has also had a couple of those plays in big moments down the stretch so like I said if you can uh, get Jed Howard back but maybe just not in the do it all take every shot in crunch time role 
I think this team actually does have a really high ceiling come NCAA tournament. All right, let's step a little broader into the Big Ten because, guys, this league's an absolute mess. I looked up a stat, Rob. I don't even think you've heard this from me yet, but it's insane to me. Going back in the history of the college basketball reference database, as long as they've kept conference records, there has never been a team that has only won 70% of their conference games that has won this conference outright. If Purdue loses one more game, they're going to be 14 and six. That will be the worst winning percentage of a solo outright Big Ten champion ever. And that's wow. insane to say because this Big Ten is down. If Purdue is this elite team, you would expect them to go like 18 and two, 17 and three in the mess that is the Big Ten conference. They're now 0 and 2 against Indiana. I don't know what to make of this group. Rob, you were shaking your head. Is this group going to have any success come March? The Big Ten as a whole or just Purdue? Anybody. You tell me. Is it Purdue? Is it anybody? No, I'm a little bit worried about Purdue for, for different reasons. We'll get into that in the next segment. But I, I'm all in on Indiana. I, I'm I'm very Ooh. high on what this group can be. P.Y., they got Trace. You know how Trace good that awesome. dude is. Yeah. But Jalen Huchifino, I would go out. I, I said this last night. I think that his performance on the road in Mackey Arena against that team, against your rivals in that environment, Going for 35, doing what he did, was one of the most impressive individual performances I've seen this season, if not the single most impressive individual performance. Mackey Arena, I don't know if you guys have been, it is a top five home court environment, and you're going in there for a rivalry game as Indiana. He's a freshman. It was unbelievable. And if he can do that, and you got the other guys making shots, Miller Cobb, Tamar Bates, Race Thompson, Trey Galloway, who was awesome the other day. Like, he is – Trey Galloway's the, the quintessential, like, white dude from Indiana, right? Like, it, it doesn't get more quintessential Oh, he's that. tough, man. He's tough. He makes shots. Man, he doesn't make he mistakes. He's close to having hey, hey, of the look, year. He's the first one in the gym. He's the last one to leave. He's a coach. You, you're you're telling me shades right of Will Sheehy here, aren't you? Yes, That's what you're yeah. He's like, got a little bit on. of that to him. Yeah, he does have um, a little bit of that to him. He's everything you want Stu Douglas to be. <laughs> oh, Jesus, man. No, he was that close to punching it right on right on Zach Eady. Like, he mm -hmm. had the advantages. It went a little long. That I'm, I was really impressed by him in that game. But, you know, what was so interesting. Hey, Pat, talk to me about Trace. Like, what, what makes him so good? We've seen guys that are as athletic as him before. But, like, how often do you see dudes that dominate games the way that he dominates games? Well, you know, if people might not notice, but his hands are massive. Like, the first thing, he, he can just palm and catch a basketball so easily. And, and that might not seem like a major thing, but it really is. That level of control helps him with his passing, his touch his feel. I mean, he's one of those guys that just doesn't get tired. He's a great passer. Uh, Purdue pretty much took him out of the first half of that game, and he found a way to still contribute to winning. Uh, I mean, he's going to go down. He's already a top five Indiana scorer of all time. Uh, I don't know where he's going to potentially could end up, but what makes him so good, I mean, his expertise, his his uh, leadership, uh, his poise, doesn't never seems to be, get rattled. He has the same look on his face the whole game. He's got like the Eli face, Eli Manning face, uh, the whole game. But um, you know, he and, and it's interesting because he he doesn't he doesn't shoot the three ball. You know, a guy a guy like that that doesn't shoot the three ball and can be that dominant. Um, and he runs. He's a gazelle. Uh, so he's got all these attributes that I wish I could have had when I was there when I was playing. But um, man, he's a stud. Like I, this is my first my first chance this year getting a chance to really watch him because I heard his name. A million times, and I'm like, yeah, that he's a dude. You know what he, I think I is really interesting about him, Greg? Not to cut you off, I'll be quick on okay. this. You're good. When we talked with him after we we went to the Indiana Illinois game 
uh, last weekend. And when we talked with him afterwards, uh, he said that prior to this season, he kind of accepted that if he got 18 to nine, he was doing his job. So he went out there trying to get 18 to nine. And he said what, what Mike Woodson has gotten out of him and has convinced him was like 18 to nine. That might be good enough to get us wins, but it ain't going to guarantee that we get a win. Like you got to go out there and try to get 30 and 20 every single night. And he said that it never really like occurred to him to do that. Right. He was always like, I'm going to go get mine. And that should be enough for us to win. Like then I did my job. And when it re- he, he kind of like had this realization, it was like, you know, I could do more. I can do more. Right? Yeah. I can do more. And now he's out here putting up player of the year. And I don't know if he's going to get it. I think it's probably going to be Zach Eady, but he's putting up player of the year numbers. He got to the point last night, Greg, they basically said, Zach Eady, we're going to put you on Race Thompson, but you ain't going to guard Race Thompson. You're going to stand right there next to Trace with the dude that's guarding him. They basically guarded him two-on-one when uh, when Indiana had the ball. That's that's the level of respect they had for Trace Jackson Davis. Well, I mean, that's that's as any team should do to Race Thompson, let's be honest. Like, give Matt <laughs> Painter some credit, but come on, what are we doing here? Uh, no, the most impressive thing on Trace to me goes right in line with what you guys are saying. And, and Pat, you called it out. He's not a shooter. When you think about big men, and talking improving year over year, like from your junior year to your senior year, what's the stride the big man's going to make? Right. So much it's just like, oh, he added a jump shot. He worked yeah. on the jumper in the gym. Trace didn't do that, and he's better in every element of his game this season than he has ever been in his career. The assists are the most impressive part to me, especially when you lose Xavier Johnson. I mean, this team lost their point guard. Things weren't looking great in early Big Ten play, and then Trace just flipped a switch and said, "I'll be the best player in the country." Yeah, it's wild. And, and don't get it. We can't get it twisted. I mean, look at Al Horford. He didn't shoot threes his entire career at Florida. Went on to the NBA. Didn't start shooting until the second half. This last few years of his career. So that's not. It's not like this is all that Trace can ever become. Like there, there's still a ceiling. But what he's able to do, just focusing on his role and embracing that, man. Any team that takes him in in the future is going to be very glad that they do that they have him. Hey, Greg, 100%. I got a quick question for you as the resident Big Ten guy on this show. Yeah. Um, Maryland, right? Yeah. They are sitting here right now, 29 overall, tied for second place in the Big Ten, 11 to 7. They've won two in a row, four out of five, and eight out of their last 10 games. Uh, they are top 20 in all of the metrics. If you would look at them on, like when you watch them, with the way that they're built and the way that they're playing, they look really, really damn good. They are also a team with an incredible home court advantage who has two road wins on the season at Minnesota and at Louisville, the worst team in the ACC and the worst team in the big 10. Where do you stand on these guys? Cause I, I, I want to be all in on them. And I kind of like, I'm looking at the kind of dive into it and it's like, I don't know if I trust them. It's a great question, Rob. And you know what? I'm going to answer it after this commercial break. That's next on after dark. You're clear. All right, let's, let's get Dagan in here. Thank you, Greg, sorry, for that. For, I, no, thank I, you for I that, Greg, for also just running through the break spot. I bet. I'm not hosting, man. Listen, I wanted, right. to get on, I wanted to get to Maryland. Let me let me live, Dagan. Let let me, live. We will get to them after the break. <laughs> uh, but I want to move to the Big 12 quickly. Uh, there's a question in the chat. Can Kansas State reach the one line if they went out? Or probably the two line, more or less. The two line. One or two line. Was there. I, I kind of exclude that. Uh, one or two line if they uh, went out. Kansas State? Kansas State. And before you Two answer, line, before maybe. you answer, I'll tell you a place you can find this, that you're, or you know, you can get this answered. Oh, do you think you can get it answered on Fielding the sixty-eight tomorrow, five o'clock Eastern yeah. Monday, every Monday and every Friday? Probably. Is that the place to go, Dagan? Probably. Yeah, I think they can get to the two seed line. Um, 
the the complicated thing is like they got to jump Baylor and they got to jump Texas. I don't know if you can get three two seeds from the same conference, but that would be wild. Imagine if you got of, of the top eight seeds, four came from the Big Twelve. Wow, that'd I think be that'd wild. be appropriate this year, though. Like thirty, I think they have, especially four. since Arizona just lost to Arizona State, right? Yeah, it's, it's not weird. like Tennessee's doing anything all that impressive. The one thing to keep an eye on, like if Marquette wins the Big East tournament. They will be a two seed, for sure. They're gonna have to beat two really good teams, maybe three in round two. But they're not winning the Big East tournament. Rob Villanova's winning the Big East tournament. No, <laughs> ten no. seconds. UConn's winning. That's another tease. Hold on, the Villanova winning the Big East tournament. Another tease from Greg. He's two for two on teases. Here we go. Three, two. Look at us. Welcome back. It's the field of 68 after dark. We've got Patrick Young. We've got Rob Doster. My name is Greg Waddell. We are live on Sirius XM channel 84 brought to you by Bet Rivers. Uh, we just took your questions during the commercial break from the YouTube chat, by the way. Throw us a like if you're watching us on the field of 68 YouTube channel. All right, Rob, you asked a question before break. You asked me essentially, tell me if I'm summarizing this correctly. Am I in or am I out on Maryland? Is that a yes. fair summary? Yes. I'm out on Maryland, Rob. I'm out on Maryland. I'm out on most teams in the Big Ten, to be honest with you, and we're going to transition this into uh, Purdue a little more here and how they fit into the one-seed conversation if teams from other conferences, better conferences, are going to come over take them. But specific to Maryland for me, I, look, they've been dominant at home. Give them a ton of credit for that. That definitely matters. To me, if you are a good team in the Big Ten this year, as Maryland is, you should win almost all of your home games. And they have had more success there than pretty much anybody else in this conference. I think Kevin Willard's done a fantastic job. I also think that team is benefiting a little bit from how stylistically different they are than a lot of the teams in this conference. And I don't know if that's going to always happen. Like maybe two years from now, people have played Maryland a little more and the book gets out on it. But this year, I think there were a lot of coaches who were just caught for the first time, not knowing what a Kevin Willard team was going to do. And they were great at home. Jameer Young was awesome for the last month. So I think uh, they could make a run of the Big Ten tournament. I'm buying that. Like, could they make the final? Absolutely. I think it's going to be a little more of a rude awakening when they get out of the conference into the NCAA tournament. Uh, and I just don't think they really have the star power. Like, Jameer Young would have to go on a really impressive individual run for me with that team, which he's capable of. But I don't know that I would buy for multiple games in a row in the NCAA tournament. I will tell you this, feeling the 68, the current bracket has them as a seven seed mm -hmm. playing Auburn with Arizona in the second round. I got them in the sweet 16 there. I'm just oh, saying. Oh, you're crazy. Yeah, That's Maryland, so, I'm sweet just saying. 16? I'm just saying. That's so disrespectful to Arizona, Rob. Really? I'm just saying. Come Man, on. Hey, look, if you can't take care of Arizona State and Bobby Hurley at home, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I mean, they did take care of them. That was a full court shot. What are we that doing? Was, that was my, my quick take, I, I have to see what. Maryland does on these last two road games. They got you got uh, four and let me see four and ten Penn State in the league. Uh, no eight eight and ten and four and fourteen Ohio State, both road games. See you know that I have to say you know don't play with your food for these games. I, they, they can't be close. And then I I can I can buy in, I can go all, let's say I'm not going to go all in, but I can see second you know winning the first game of the tournament that I don't, I don't see them making it to the second, the second weekend. No way. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall for that trap, Rob, Arizona. Rob, Rob you're a here. big East guy. You're Get a big East here. guy. If, if this Maryland team was in the big East, if we threw Kevin Willard right back into the big East, where do they finish in the big East this year? 
Um, probably, I think they would be in that mix with like Creighton and UConn and Providence. I would probably say that they would be like the fifth or sixth best team in the conference. Okay. But I think that they would, I'd probably have them above Villanova and Seton Hall. Uh, but they'd be right there in the mix, I think. I, I think that they're good. They got good guards. They make shots. I really like Willard. They can match up. They're switchable. But it's also like everything that they've done that's been impressive has been at home. Yep. In my mind, it's very difficult for my mind to be like, oh, yeah, they're only winning because they're playing in front of 19,000 uh, drunk Maryland fans that are just berating people for 40 minutes. Yeah, you got to separate it. And look, not every team goes undefeated at home. We can't take that away from them, even if we act like we're unimpressed. But uh, I think they'd be a middle of the pack Big East teams. My answer. Are you I just be, be honest? And you can you just this is a yes or no question, Greg. Okay. Are you are you only down on them because they just smacked your boys Northwestern and your boy Boo Booey today? Yes or no? Yeah, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, Boo is incredible. That's all I wanted. We can move on. That's all it I was going to come to an end at some point. All right. Uh, we, we need to finish our Purdue dialogue a little bit, and then we'll expand a little broader. So, look, they lose twice to the rival. No Purdue fan is happy to hear that. I saw a lot of on-the-timeline stuff last night from Purdue fans that was just like, guys, recalibrate. We need to remember. We're going to be the outright conference champions regardless. I get that. But you can't tell me this one didn't sting. And you can't tell me you're not worried about this team right now. They've lost four of their last six games. Their best win going back an entire month at this point was a home win against Michigan State. Like, there's not a ton of great opportunities in this conference. And Purdue has not passed the test against them. Is it fair to be that concerned about them, Pat? Or are you just shrugging it off and saying they'll get right for March? No, it's fair. Um, I I mean, what Jalen Hood Scafino did uh, to that to that defense. I mean, there was no. It, it was just a matter of he's getting the looks that he wants defensively. Just is a shot going in or out. No, no impact from what anybody else is doing. Um, and I, you know, we, we know when you get into the tournament, you match up against somebody that has a dynamic guard that can go get a bucket. They cause a lot of problems, a lot of issues. It's just going to be a matter of and you know, Edie. What did he end up finishing with that game? wasn't Wasn't his best performance. Uh, I mean, a, a good one, 26 and 16, but eight of 17 shooting. Um, I, you know, Zach's so efficient, was he shooting well over 50% um, on the season this year? It's just as, as it was, it's interesting to see the, the struggle there a little bit from the guards after the response was made. Uh, after, you know, Braden Smith struggled, and there's a criticism that's being taken. Oh, they're mid major guards, they're not going to be enough to take help this Purdue team. Uh, then there was a response uh, from, I can't remember who they ended up beating, but uh, Braden came away with like 28 points that game. Just And then all of a sudden you have uh, from him, two of 11, 0 for three from the three-point line, six points. Um, it's just, where is the consistency? On the defensive side is what I worry a little bit more so, because when you have, Zach is such a great passer. Um, teams are playing, striving to play him one-on-one, which I, I'm not going to say that's the answer. I don't know what the answer is. Doubling because he's a great passer out. Uh, but making it really hard. It's really interesting when you can make a guard feel as though th they're trying to get into the post. If you can defend them, the, the big, for five or five seconds and make it really difficult to make that pass, they're not going to throw it in. I know that very well from experience. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very, very well from experience. So um, someone else, you know, it's not bad to have a loss like this, but right now, 
Um, you rather have it now and learn from it before going into March, but um, they've got some work to do. That's why I love the, the season. There's no one team that's so dominant, even though Purdue it has a, the most dominant player in college basketball. Uh, it, it just goes to show it's it's not going to be enough. It's not yeah. going to be enough to make the Final Four. Yeah, I, I do think it's – I think there's two ways that you have to look at this, right? And, and there's a lot of context involved here. We cannot forget that this team beat Marquette, they beat Gonzaga, they beat Duke, and they beat a good West Virginia team, even though their record doesn't necessarily show it, in the non-conference, right? They were really, really good in the non-conference, okay? I know you're giving me that look, Greg. And you also have to remember that of their 13 uh, Big Ten wins, eight of them have come against teams at the bottom of the league. So – I think it is fair to say that Purdue has climbed up to like number one and climbed up to this point where we thought that they were the clear cut best team in the country because they were able to feast on some lesser competition while also saying that this team is not as bad as the one that has lost four out of their last six. Right. I think they just hit their bump in the road. Every, every team this year has hit a bump in the road at some point. They just happen to hit their bump of the road in February. The question is, can they get this thing figured out? You know, we saw UConn is a great example, right? They hit their bump in the road in January. They had some tough road games. They lost at home to St. John's. They they gave one away at Seton Hall, and they've kind of figured it out. So the question is, is there enough time for Matt Painter to get this group right? And I think it's also fair to point out, Pat, you can attest to this. When you're a freshman and you're a guard and you're playing the minutes that Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith are playing, like you get to the end of the season and you're more physically worn down than I think that you – have ever been in your life. So I do think that there is an element of these kids were playing a little bit above their head and now they've kind of hit that wall. I know Fletcher Laura has been carrying an injury. Matt Painter told us that when we were in uh, Indiana, but I, I think, I think that they've kind of come back to the mean, right? Purdue well, I, I, somewhere... I agree with you, Rob, because yeah. one scouting and then other, other teams are just going to embrace, Oh, I'm not, I'm not letting a freshman show me up. Type, yeah. type mindset yeah, there's a level of pride man yeah there's a bunch sure. of vets in that big 10 league like Braden smith he was a 189th crew no fuck that he didn't get yeah. by me this i would 100 percent buy the jalen hutchfino saying that i ain't letting a freshman touch me and they're like dude you're also a freshman jalen like come on no I, I i do think i think that they've kind of found their level right like water finds its level purdue found its level like they are they're more of a two seed than a one seed they're still very 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 good but they're so, not I, but Okay, here's here's my problem and why I'm making ugly faces at you as you go on this rampage. Number one, in general, I don't love like I, I hear your point about you hit the road block. How do you get over it? Every team goes through a dry spell, whatever. I don't like teams that looked so dominant in November and then mm -hmm. just haven't been that team in four months since. Oh, and hell, like, UConn. Yeah, right. Like there's another one, right? <laughs> My the other thing is in that dominant stretch, Rob. Like, okay, West Virginia, the metrics love them. Fine, Duke is not Duke. That's not some awesome win. We jolted Purdue up to number one in the country because we thought Gonzaga was a top five team in the country, and we thought Duke was a top ten team in the country. Now it's mm -hmm. very clear that neither of those are true. So, I like counterpoint. I just, we didn't. No one paid attention to the win over Marquette, and Marquette is going to be the outright Big East champion. So, like, I hear what you're true. saying, but it, it kind of, I. But also at Mackey Arena, which you just said is one of the toughest places to play. Yeah. Like all I'm all I'm saying is like I, Purdue could very well lose like in the first first weekend. They could get picked off by a a seven seed. That would not surprise me at all. But I'm not saying that they're like invincible. I'm just saying that this is a really good team that was playing above their head for a while that had us all believing that they were the clear cut best team in the country, and they probably weren't. 
They are like a top 10-ish kind of a team that can get beat in the second round and no one would really be that surprised by it, which is like what most teams in the six to eight range in the polls and all the metrics, like that's generally what you expect. So let me let me ask you this. I, I've I've come full circle. I think that UCLA is like the top tier, right? Yeah. I think UCLA is that fourth best team in the country. I think that they have oh. leapfrogged Purdue to me. And if I was to uh, put together – a bracket assuming that ucla gets it done against arizona they got to be that fourth number one seed in my mind how about game day dropping the ball and not making that ucla arizona game the the yeah i don't i don't understand that's that's the match to watch yeah that's a miss for them for sure the, the I, conspiracy uh... I'm, I'm gonna get on my mick crone hold on let me go get my tinfoil hat i'm gonna get on my mick crone right here put it on right here the uh ucla is going to the big 10 what happened with that big 10 espn deal not great so they were like yeah you know what yeah i'm not gonna make it happen but look now i'm gonna take off my conspiracy theory hat yeah there's just better games on saturday you know why would you <laughs> want to go find the two best teams in the pac-12 hit those markets that's just all that is savvy decision making wow um all right we're gonna go to break here i think we're gonna have to bring ucla <laughs> back up in the next segment because none of us even got to give detailed thoughts on them speaking of the next segment on the fly, I'm coming up with a game. That's what I do. When you give me the keys to host, I come up with stupid games. We're going to play red light, yellow light, green light on the field of 68 after dark. That's next. You're clear. <laughs> That's what I play with my three-year-old when I'm trying to get her in line while I make dinner. Yeah, it's the old, like, the, the field day, like, in middle yep. school. Do you play that game? We're going to play that game. Let's get Dagan in here. Dagan, save the show, please. <laughs> Um, all right, uh, I saw a question earlier. I don't remember who asked it, but is there a better guard-big man combination in the country than Hood Shafino and TJD? If so, who is it? Better guard-big man combination? I don't think there is. The only big man in the country better than Trace is Zach Eady, and that's debatable. And Jalen Hood Shafino has been awesome. Yeah, I'm looking through the top teams. like. Yeah, there is. Probably not. Unless, honestly, the closest might be your boys, Rob, if you wanted to paint a Hawkins Sonogo. Please don't. Please don't, yeah. Greg. Don't, well, give, don't I, put I, that in his head, I, Greg. Not even, not even like Sonogo. The difference between Sonogo and Trace Jackson Davis is like the difference between, um, I don't 30. know where I'm going with that. Yeah. As no, of late, I would put Oscar Shibway and Antonio Reeves in this these last few games. They've been pretty great. Pretty good, man. They They're figured really it good. out. Yeah, we're gonna have to talk about. We gotta talk about Kentucky. I, I really want to hear what you have to say about Kentucky and Arkansas, Pat. I'm I'm back in. Well, I'm back in on the cats. Really, with Kentucky well, and the hogs, the cats. No and stop here, Wheeler, man. Ten seconds. They're doing all this. No stop here, Wheeler. It's like Field of 68 after dark without Jeff Goodman. Oh, here we go. Welcome back. It's the Field of 68 After Dark Sunday Night Edition. Patrick Young's here. Rob Doster's here. My name is Greg Waddell. We're live. Sirius XM, Channel 84, brought to you by Bet Rivers. And on the Field of 68 YouTube channel, click like, click subscribe, jump in the comments while you're over there. All right, it's time for my stupid game. Stupid game number one tonight. Red light, yellow light, green light. I've got a list of resurgent teams, teams that we may have written off a little bit at some point during this season that have suddenly started to show signs of making a run in the NCAA tournament. But 
We're going to put one team above the resurgent teams. It's the team we didn't get to fully discuss in the last segment. That's UCLA. We brought them up briefly, and I think they're fair to throw into red light, yellow light, green light. So what I mean by this, I have some definitions for my three categories here. I want green light as if I'm in, this team's making a final four. I'm riding them all the way. They can get there. I see it. Yellow light as in, I think they could win a couple games. I wouldn't be surprised. Red light as in, nope, first round exit. I don't buy this team in March. Those are your three options. All right, starting with UCLA. Rob, let's go to you first because you said you are all in on UCLA. I think I know your answer here. Well, first and foremost, for the people on listening on SiriusXM, both Greg and I have snapbacks on, and uh, I guess Pat felt very uh, unappreciated, so he just threw his on too. And on backwards very, too. That's what got yeah, me. Very subtly, man, very subtly. Um, yeah, I mean, heavy green light, like green light when you're when you're blazing down like one of these big, not quite a highway, you know, but one of these like three three lane roads that you get. Going 65 miles an hour, maybe speeding just a little bit. I'm all in. Uh, they got the point guard, Tiger Campbell, veteran, doesn't make mistakes. They got the stud in Jaime Jaquez. Jalen Clark can lock anybody down. Adam Bonage, who saw the block that he had today? Yeah. Well, I, Pat, I know I know you love Bona, dude. Like, that. that's your guy. Like, he he reminds me a little bit of a, of a young Patrick Young in his prime. Um, and I, I think I'm, I'm still going to say the key is Amari Bailey. Like, when he gets going, gives you that kind of, like, ISO score. I'm in. I love UCLA. I think they're very, very, very good. And I hate saying that because Jeff Goodman predicted them to win the national title in the preseason. And I don't want to speak anything uh, into existence to make him look smart. <laughs> PY. I agree. I'm green light with UCLA. Uh, I know Jeff had some criticism for the Pac-12, the league a little bit, just kind of the league leagues a little bit mid majory in the sense of, uh, you know, you got Arizona and UCLA and everyone else is kind of, eh. Uh, but the, the, I mean, after what you're only as good as your, your last game, or I, I would say your last month, and an undefeated February, eight in a row. So uh, it's it's easy decision for me to see that this team is trending in the right direction, primed and ready uh, to get it done, to get all the way down to the final four. Absolutely, Pat. I think you can take off the word majory when we talk mid majory for the Pat. It's just a mid conference. This is a bad conference, guys. Yeah. Listen, uh, UCLA has beaten three teams this season that will be in the NCAA tournament. And at times, those three teams were not locks to make the NCAA tournament. The Maryland win at Maryland was awesome. Kentucky on a neutral by 10, okay, whatever. A two-point win at home against USC. A USC team that beat them by 13 at USC. Those are their three wins against NCAA tournament teams. Now, I give them credit for doing what Purdue didn't do. Like I said, run through a conference that's not that good. UCLA has done that. They deserve that. But this is not a green light team, gentlemen. This is a yellow light team. This is a team that, okay, maybe they make a sweet 16. It depends on the draw. If this team's in the final four, I will be absolutely shocked because it will mean they have won more games against good teams than they have in four months of college basketball this season. Let's move to Blame Kentucky. the conference. That's the Pac-12's fault. Let's move to Kentucky, Robert. Uh, the Wildcats, another team. I mean, UCLA beat them, so you probably know where I'm going to stand on this group. But they've now won four straight games, uh, and they've won them in impressive fashion as well, by the way. They beat Tennessee by 12. They just ran Auburn out of the gym in the second half of that game. Uh, Cal's figured a lot of stuff out. You could say different reasons for what you think has been figured out, but I'm more interested in red, yellow, or green light. Pat, what's your answer? Uh, I'm going to go yellow, yellow light. 
definitely, you know, how, how long has it been since Kentucky's won a tournament game? I think they will break that streak. I think it's what, three years since they've won a game in the tournament. Um, I'm just not sure if they shoot it well enough. As of late, they have been shooting the ball extremely well. I'm not sure if they shoot it well enough uh, to win a tournament game. It's not an elite defensive team that I saw, like what we saw last year at, at some points. Um, but Oscar is, I mean, yes, last game, was it the Auburn game? No, I, I was following following them, the, the Florida game. And Oscar hit like seven jump shots. I'm like, what the heck is this? How do you stop a guy? You take the pain away from him. He's knocking down mid-range jump shots. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm completely sold on this squad being a Final Four team, but I believe that they have resurged absolutely um, it, with the right matchups. Uh, it's it's possible. But after seeing what Arkansas was able to do to Kentucky um, earlier this year and how they Oscar was held to seven and seven. I've never seen anyone hold uh, – he, he'll he go games where he might not score, but he'll still grab 16 boards. And the Mitchell twins were just out-physicaling uh, out him, uh, keeping him off the re, off the boards, not letting him get easy, deep post catches. Uh, that was the first time I saw Oscar, like, visibly frustrated. So, for the longest, I thought he was invincible and nobody could stop him. And – but, I you know, seeing where they are now – what the only, the only issue that I have, the biggest one – is that uh, against against Florida, Cal played five guys about 38 minutes and up. I don't know if that's sustainable, if that's going to be enough. And the guys are – Cason Wallace was giving up on getting the ball at some points because he was gassed. So uh, I don't know if, if their bench is going to be strong enough to help sustain um, them them in the tournament if they have a tough matchup that may possibly go to overtime. But we'll see. I think some of that will be helped once C.J. Frederick kind of gets his legs underneath him a little bit after missing all that time. Um, I just know, Pat, I know that you were watching uh, Oscar Shiba hit those jump shots, like the the old man, like looking at the cloud meme, just like, why didn't you let me shoot, Billy, right? Was that you watching him about those things fly? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm So I'm. I'm going to go yellow light on Kentucky, but like one of those yellow lights where you're trying to beat the light. So you're gunning it while you're, while you're running at the light, right? Like I'm you know what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every single time. Um, uh, I, I just, I think case Wallace has kind of figured it out. Right. I think that Antonio Reeves has gotten it going and Cal understands that his best lineups are going to be when he has five of case Wallace, CJ Frederick, Antonio Reeves, Chris Livingston, Jacob Topp, and Oscar Sheway on the floor. And you can kind of piece the rest of it together, but you got to get like 30 to 35 minutes with five of those six guys on the floor together. Um, his hand was kind of forced, and that's what led him to figure it out. And then once he did, they kind of dealt with some injuries, right? Like CJ missed some time. Uh, Severe Wheeler's been out because Case and Wallace missed the game. Um, but I think that they figured it out. And, and like, look, this is still the team that has the talent that made us think that they were a top five team in the preseason. And we finally for the first time all year, saw him just absolutely beat the hell out of somebody that is, I don't know if Auburn's that good, but they're good enough to be like in the tournament conversation. And they just completely obliterated them. We haven't seen Kentucky do that to anybody this year for yeah. 40 minutes. So I'm, 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 I'm in with some hesitancy. Yeah. yeah I love Coach Grove. I don't, I don't think Auburn is a top 25 team this year. No. Just don't. And I love their guards, love what they represent. They just, just don't get it done. Janiah Broom has been awesome. He's been a stud. I almost wanted to put him in that conversation where we're talking about the best duo guard big, but I just they, had they, they don't have a good guard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. 
Don't tell Icy Wen that, okay? Icy Wen thinks he's the best guard in the country, for the record. Uh, yeah, I'm yellow as well. That's part of the problem, Greg. I know, Rob. I understand <laughs> that. I fell for it last year. This is a yellow for me. I would go green on this team because I actually give Cal a ton of credit for figuring out that he only has five good players and just playing five good players 38 minutes a game. Not all coaches do that. He did it. Now the team's won four straight games. The problem is one of those five players is Jacob Toppin. That's too much Jacob Toppin for me. I don't like it when we get to the tournament. He's been balling, man. You're tripping. He's been balling. I know he's been balling. I don't buy that that's going to continue. That's the thing. He's on a hot streak for sure. He's not shooting threes. That, That helped a lot. That definitely helped a lot. And uh, if he, if you could tell me he's not going to shoot another three the rest of the season, maybe I could talk myself into Jacob Top and we'll see. Uh, the next one, another SEC team, it's Arkansas. We mentioned them in passing. I mean, Nick Smith Jr. has been back. He's the Field of 68 player of the week that we're going to unveil tomorrow for how much he has been scoring the basketball. Arkansas looked like they were going to beat Alabama for a long period of that game before Bama went on a crazy run in the second half. Rob, red, yellow, green, Arkansas. Have you guys ever seen any of the Fast and Furious franchises? Like, do you guys watch that? Have you ever seen yeah. any of those movies? Right. Not. So right now on Arkansas, I'm sitting in one of those, uh, as Paul Walker would put it, a 10-second car, right? Revving the engine, just waiting for that hot girl in a bikini to put that flag down so I can gun it. I'm all in on Arkansas. This is what Musk does, right? This is what he does. He lulls you to sleep. He makes you think that they're bad. They play terrible in January, even into early February. Then they find a way, they figured it out, and they hit their run, and they make it to the Elite Eight when you don't really expect anything out of them, right? It took a little longer for them to get there this year because Nick Smith was dealing with his (coughs) knee injury and had to get back. But now that he's back, he scored 50 points in the last two games. They have three guys that are among the best isolation, one-on-one, matchup advantage scores, must loves those dudes right you look at the guys that he's thrived with over the years he just gives it to someone who finds a mismatch and he just hammers that mismatch over and over again he's got three of those guys this year two of them are lottery picks one of them is going to be a guy that ends up being a top 40 pick in ricky council i'm all in on arkansas i think arkansas it's going to be hard for me not to pick arkansas in the elite eight regardless of who they end up playing i'm that in on them yeah wow no everything you said i agree with um nick smith Junior's edition this late in the season, I, I didn't think he was coming back. And I understand every reason for not doing so. Um, but must even with him not being there, Ricky Council and Devo Davis have picked up their and and who I, I don't know what took so long to get him minutes. He's been a stud. Jalen Graham, he's mm-hmm. been a stud. I didn't realize he was that good. I'm like, why, why has he not been playing more? He I see he's thin. He's thinner than uh the uh, Mitchell brothers, but even them in of in and of himself have been. They've been exactly what Arkansas has needed in the front court. You know, they're not they're not stressing the floor and shooting a three as Trevin Brazil was. But ultimately, with this roster and lineup, I believe in Coach Musselman. As you said, Rob, he he whatever whatever team he's got, he figures out a way to get his guys ready. And must we trust, baby? And must must we trust? trust. Absolutely. And and uh, it's it's funny we were talking about uh, uh, shirtless being shirtless on the show. What other coach in the country? in the country will take their shirt off post home win as much as Eric Musselman. Is there any? No, Bruce Pearl only does it when he jumps in the student sections for the women's games. 
I, Shaka, I don't see that. Yeah, I don't. Well, no, Shaka's double layered up. He might go triple layer by the time we get to tournament <laughs> at this point. Uh, Rob, I, just for the record, I'm going to go yellow light on Arkansas. Uh, the only reason I'm not green light is because I'm a little afraid Nick Smith's just going to disappear again. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. If it does, I'm worried about it. If he is there, it's a green light. I'm going red light on Rob's statement, though, that Eric Musselman teams are just bad in January and February. From January 12th through the end of February last season, Rob, 13 and one. And what did they do right before that? And they should have beat freaking. What did they do right before that? They lost five out of six and oh, lost okay. at home to Hofstra. Okay. Did Sherman okay. Munts maybe, right, Rob? Maybe that's I December. got the date wrong. That's okay. December. Look, they that's go, December. they're terrible. They go, they're, they're horrible for the stretch of the season. Everybody bails off of them. And then you have to come back on the bandwagon. I've been on the bandwagon. I never left the bandwagon. Listen, me, and we... Hog, me and Mama Hog been in this together. We do not tell lies on the field of 68. That's all I'm saying. You said they're bad in January and February. They're undefeated in February in 21. They were 13 and one in 22. Don't lie to the people, Rob. Coming up next, we're going to overreact. Like I just overreacted to something that Rob said. I've got overreactions from the weekend. That's next on the field of 68 after dark. You're clear. You're just spewing lies, Doster. Like, come on. No. Come on. I know I got it's December and January. I don't know why I said January, and February. I'm very, I'm very upset with myself right now. It's okay. Dagan, what's going on? Uh, here's, here's maybe my favorite comment, uh, ever, uh, CB con, uh, CB content in the chat, uh, metric merchant Doster. What are your thoughts on Northwestern? <laughs> um, like the, I mean, what, what needs to be said? They're not very good. Oh, stop it. They're fine. Like they're fine. They'll guard. They got a couple guards. Why, why are they plays. not very good? Do you have anything? To, do you have anything to back that up? Or I mean, they're yeah, there's like they're their metrics maybe. <laughs> oh god, yeah, this guy. <laughs> um, no, I they just like they they don't they can't really score. Yeah, right. They'll get stopped. Hey, they got hey. two guys that can get a bucket. They blew an 18 point lead to a Illinois team. Greg, that don't just take this disrespect right in your State. face. <laughs> like saying they can't score about a team who has boo booey on it. Is that what we're doing right now? Where was he when they needed literally any bucket over the last 30. 20 possessions last night? Nowhere to be found. Boo Booey is great today. Until today, he actually needs today, to get a but okay. Fair enough. Last night today. He doesn't know he's when they he doesn't even know when they played. He's live. By the way, that's that's definitely not the actual CBB content guy. Goodman created a burner YouTube chat account. You know that, right? Sure. No. Ten seconds. I just read it. How I would it respect them. I just read it. That's how it what is, Goodman you know? did. Oh, I respect it too. Like that's that's one hundred percent a Goodman move. Here you go. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Field of 68 After Dark Sunday Night Edition. A week from now, when we do the Sunday Night Edition of this show, it will be March. You'll be able to step outside. You'll be able to smell the madness in the air. We are in the home stretch of the season, and anything could happen in a year where there is so much parity in college basketball. It creates chaotic days like we had in the sport yesterday. We got Patrick Young here. We got Rob Doster here. My name is Greg Waddell, and it's time to overreact to some of those crazy things that happened this weekend. I got a list. I'm going to work through my list for the final 10 minutes of this show, and you guys can tell me whether or not I am being reasonable or whether or not I am just being insane. I'm going to start with one that is not even on the list. It's a team we haven't talked about yet tonight. They were going to be in my green, yellow, red game, but now they are an overreaction. Here's my overreaction. North Carolina's doing it again. They're flipping the switch. They're going to make the run. Last year, bubble team. All of a sudden, in the tournament, all of a sudden, in the national championship game. Pete Nance showed up. They ran Virginia out, and the Tar Heels are going to do it again. Pat. Is that crazy or is that a reasonable statement? I think it's crazy. I think they I think they can make the tournament. Uh, but I, I don't see the run. I don't see the flipping the script. You can't you can't have all this potential and this this much talent and it take you this freaking long to figure things out. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm off that for sure. All right. I here's my question before I answer this. How many boxes of uh, lemon Oreos did Hubert Davis buy? Did you guys hear about this? I did. No. Hubert Davis, before the game on Saturday, had like had a long conversation with Pete Nance. Found out that Pete Nance loves lemon Oreos. I don't know why it took him this long to figure that out about his player, but bought him, bought him like a package of lemon Oreos. And then Pete Nance goes out, drops 22, four for four from three, had like 15 in the first half or something like that. Played his best game of the year after he got the box of lemon Oreos. So if Hubert Davis has like a lifetime supply of lemon Oreos, you might be right, Greg. But if there's not enough lemon Oreos, I don't know. I can't get on that bandwagon. I don't lemon think it's Oreos. Happening. Yeah. Disgusting, right? Goodman <laughs> dips his lemon Oreos in Diet Coke. Stop. Stop. <laughs> I'm gonna hang up. I'm leaving right now. Yeah, yeah. good God. Good God. Are you serious? Uh, that's yes. that's not even one of the top five irredeemable things Jeff Goodman does, if we're being honest. But uh listen, I I, I think there's an actual takeaway from the North Carolina game. And Rob, you can tell me I'm crazy. Pat, you can jump in and tell me I'm crazy. But I thought this was the first game all season that they actually used Pete Nance like good Pete Nance is supposed to be used. I mean, they had him playing more of like a facilitating five role in this Mom, game. I, he drops 22 and all of a sudden Greg's like, yeah, I told you he's better than, than, uh, than Drew Timmy. I'm not saying that, okay? In fact, to make my stance <laughs> extremely clear, as Pete Nance's biggest benefactor preseason – uh, I'm out. You can't be a lemon Oreo guy and still have me wave your flag. That's officially Thank done. You. That's officially done. But in all seriousness, though, they'd like stop treating him like he's a, a stunt double for Brady Manic for the first time. They had Armando Bacon on the bench down the stretch and North Carolina played well. I'm supposed to be shocked by that. I don't know. I'm not saying they're going to make the title game, but I do think this is kind of opening the door for a little bit of the late season run that happened last year. Uh, we'll see what happens. All right, the next team on the list here, uh, we're going to actually go back to the Big Ten. Rob, I think you hinted at this earlier, so you might like this one. Indiana 
is the Big Ten's best chance at a national championship. Yes or no? 100%. I, I've been saying this for like three or four weeks. Especially if they get Xavier Johnson back, he buys in, and he can kind of be, I think, honestly, at this point, just be the microwave guy off the bench, right? Be that guy that comes in for 15 or 20 minutes that, if you need it, can give you that spark where you get like 12, 14, 16 points, um, especially as he's trying to get his legs back. But, uh, look, Jalen Hutchifino, the, the Illinois game set, showed something to me because he was horrible horrible for like 37 minutes and they made three really big plays down the stretch despite the fact that he had a horrible turnover that led to a go-ahead bucket for coleman hawkins i'm all in i'm all in on this indiana team i think that they are the best final four threat in the big 10 and i think that they are a uh a top 10 ceiling team in college basketball in terms of like what they can be when they are at their best they are a top 10 team in america yeah Mm. Without a doubt, I I don't know winning a title, but the Final Four team, in my in my opinion, especially after seeing the way that the way that in which Trey Galloway plays, he plays freaking fearless. I think it brings a dynamic to this Indiana team that is going to open up so many doors for them. Getting to the free throw line, um, keeping defenses on their toes. We already know what Trace Trace does, but yeah, Jalen Huchfino, what he's been able to do, his scoring prowess ability to get to the right off that pull-up jump shot um trace defending the, the rim as well uh yeah this team has only been trending in the right direction and, and has a great chance of making to a final four all right i have one rebuttal maybe i don't know if that's the right word i have one proposal one question to run by you guys before i get fully on board the train of indiana can make a final four what happens with xavier johnson does he play again for this team he it's complicated he wants to but if he plays again then he burns any opportunity that he has to get another year of eligibility um but talking to people around that program what i've been told is that the kid only cares about winning wants to come back and is willing to kind of do a job that he is asked to do he does not want to come in and and be a uh someone that ruins the chemistry that they have going right now so i take that for what it's worth but that's what people are telling me those are conflicting things potentially though, right? Because like if he wants the extra year of eligibility, that's one thing. Any kid should do whatever they can to take advantage of their individual opportunities. That said, if it's about coming back and helping a team win, but he would step aside because the team's playing, like it just doesn't make sense. Like this team's playing so damn well without him. Wouldn't he risk throwing it off if he came back? There's there's different dynamics that are pulling at him. And I'll leave it at that. I'll tell you after the show. Okay. Pat, you were kind of shaking your head at me on that one. Am I crazy for that? No, I'm just trying to put myself in, in the shoes of the coach. You know, you, 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 you know what he can bring to the table. You don't want to mess up what's been happening, but there's, there's minutes to be played for, for him coming back for sure. Yeah. Just, I don't know if it's, it's a lot in, in this time in the season. You, they could look, they could use him, man. Like uh, just a guy that can come off the bench and get you 15 points. For sure. Right? Absolutely. And I, I think I think that he would be okay doing that because he's not – look, when you got a foot injury and you're out for three months and you try to come back and play 35 minutes of NCAA tournament bat, like you, you don't have the gas in the tank to do that. Yeah. And you last don't. year's run for Indiana through the conference tournament and then into the NCAA tournament, like the story with Xavier Johnson was spectacular. So not saying he can't do it, just saying the way Jalen Huchifino has now come on as an on-ball guy – 
it's an interesting dynamic if they were to work him back in. All right, final one. I think we have about like a minute, maybe a minute and a half left here. So quickly, Michigan's making the second weekend. They're back. They're doing it again. They've done it now three times in the Juwan Howard era. Last year, bubble team. All of a sudden, they're beating Rick Barnes in the round of 32, and Juwan's hugging Kennedy Chandler. Pat, is this going to happen again? Yes or no? No. No. Just say no, no. Pat. Just no, say no. no. It's, that, it's say just no. a shake your head just, off, just like no, no explanation. No, you don't. You don't deserve. You don't deserve an answer for mushing our parlay the other night. That's all I'm going to say. No. Period. I think I mushed Boo Booey more than I bushed ourselves. <laughs> you uh, did. You were you were in a lot of people's lives with that, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel great about it, to be honest. Listen, anytime I put my stamp of approval on something, preseason it's Pete Nance, midseason it's Boo Booey. Right in this moment, it's Hunter Dickinson, Jawan Howard, and the Michigan Wolverines. Everything immediately falls apart. So that doesn't seem to bode well. But are you guys serious? You can't even see him making a run, really? No, I could. Like, this is this is what Hunter does. He yeah, this is what he does, right man. Time. He had the moment. And, uh, Hunter, I thank you for that. Listen, stick around. We're going to go to the afters now. You can ask us your questions on the Field of 68 YouTube channel for Patrick Young, for Rob Doster. My name is Greg Waddell, and we'll see you next time on the Field of 68 After Dark. Daniel Clare. Beautiful. I think they can make a run, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so excited after today's win. I really hey, am. Hey, uh, all right. So we got a question in the chat. It's from I'm Brad. Who is Boob Barry? <laughs> I can't answer that. <laughs> that just about made me fall out, man. That was good. Hey, Greg, we have like, there's like seven more overreactions. Let's just say, keep going. Yeah, those are fun. Keep them good. I, I can the, ask, I, I can I ask him these. if you want. I got it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's have that. Like, this is I, I, I love like the ridiculous. This is my favorite. Also, thing also, I gotta clarify because Greg, I can't have you taking the fall for these ridiculous overreactions. I make the overreactions, by the way, Chad. Greg just takes the fall for how absurd they are. So, um, I'm a good fall guy, though. <laughs> um, all right, here's my favorite one, probably because I know the answer of at least two of you, most likely. Um, Villanova will win the Big East tournament. Look, I'm not I'm not going to predict it. I don't think it's anywhere near as crazy as any of you guys think that it is. I've 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 been saying this. You know I've been saying this, Greg. You know I've been saying this, Dagan. Like they they have four starters right now and the sixth man from a team that made it to the national title game. And oh, by the way, they also happen to have a guy that's going to be a top eight pick in the NBA draft. Like they can do it. I don't think that they will do it. I'm not going to bet on it. But I will, I will not be shocked when they pick off someone in like the the quarterfinals and they're playing on semifinal Friday in the Big East tournament. They, that's team that knows how to win. They're they're getting they got right they got hot at the right time. What odds will you give me that Cam Whitmore will not be a top eight pick in the NBA draft? Um, I don't know. Let's talk to our friends at Bet Rivers on that one. Maybe we can yeah, get a feel. Of 68 I think that's back. probably like minus one ten. Like every mock has him like top seven or top eight. Is he really not, not expected to go that high? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm taking outside of that. Good player, good player, but we got a lot of really? G League Ignite guys, the Thompson twins, and there's at least I I put him like probably seventh or eighth in terms of college guys that I think will get drafted. So, wow, really that low? Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think man, just for me, but you know I'm selling Villanova. Yeah. I have all season long. The last week's been tough for me though. Pat, what about you? Yeah, um, the addition of Justin Moore coming back in, uh, his his veteran leadership, I, I winning the tournament, the Big East tournament, crazier things have happened, right? 
I mean, look at UConn back in what year was that? 2010, 2011. Yeah, 2011. They were a nine seed. They played. Yeah. That was back when they would had the the five days of the Big East tournament. They played the yeah. first game at noon on a Tuesday. I was there against oh, South were? Florida. Do you know how many people were in the stands for that game? UConn fans consider. So that I'll, I'll I'll give you a little insight into the the rivalries in the Big East. UConn fans, Providence fans, St. John's fans, and previously Syracuse fans all considered uh, Madison Square Garden like their other home court because they say that when we play there, we fill it up. UConn is the only one that really does that. But that year, that first game was like, it was like a quarter full. Like there really wasn't all that many people there. But UConn beat South Florida when they had, I think it was, uh, was his name Dominique Jones? Remember that dude, P.Y.? No, I don't remember him. Um, So they beat him. Second round, I can't remember who they beat the second round. It was a little fuller. It was an 8-9 game. They ended up winning that game. It might have been, I think it might have been Georgetown. And then they go, and then it's the 1-8 game. And all of a sudden, it's a little fuller. It's that new game. And that's the Kemba Walker, Gary McGee, step back, make the dude fall, hit the jumper over him, right? And that was probably 50% Pitt fans, 50% UConn fans in that building. Then you get to the semifinals, and it was all UConn fans for the semifinals and the finals because they finally figured it out. Um, but yeah, that first game that they played, that's how bad they were. They were the nine seed playing the noon game on a Tuesday in Madison Square Garden in front of like 3,000 people, which never happens when UConn plays the Big East tournament. That's how down UConn fans were at that point. Anything can happen when you get into March. Remember when Jerry McNamara, and I think it was 2006, when they were like outside the tournament and he scored like 130 points in four games in the Big East tournament? And they ended up getting the uh, the automatic bid and were like a five seed in 2006. Special. Jerry McNamara was the first jersey I ever owned, by the way. First well, college. A good player. jersey to have, man. Good jersey. Uh, so, who, like, if Villanova was to make the run, though, Rob, like, is it because a guy goes Kemba Walker mode? Like, would that be Whitmore? Would it be Justin Moore? Or do you just think the team could be good enough collectively to do that? Seems um, I think they're going to need guys with big nights, right? Like, you're going to need Justin Moore to either. The other night he had 25 against Xavier, and then he had eight assists, no turnovers against Creighton. Eric Dixon had 31. Like you need guys to go off. Yeah, you just do. Like you can't just win a game and not have something. You need guys to go off. Um, and I, they got like four guys that can do it, man. Like, are would you be surprised if Caleb Daniels had 20 against anybody in the Big East? Would you be surprised? Like, I'm all I'm saying is that right now, if you did the Big East power rankings, right, that I think that. Villanova has climbed up into that top tier. So you don't talk about a top five. You talk about a top six. I'd have Villanova sixth. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's rational for sure. Yeah, that's where I'm at with them. Okay. I thought you were going to say, before you said Caleb Daniels, I thought you were going to say Chris Arkandiakino. Arken- Arken- <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'd be surprised if he was scoring 20. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, has, he doesn't have 20 on the entire year combined. <laughs> oh. I would also buy this argument if Jay Wright could just magically coach the team for a week. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that out loud, but I just said it out loud. It's a little little late now. It's a little late. I'm sorry. (laughs) I I will. I will say Rob has somehow convinced me too. I don't really know how he did that, but I'm kind of with Rob on this one. I didn't. I didn't convince you. They won at Xavier and then beat Creighton like smack. That's true. Also, also, it makes it look a lot better when Seton Hall gets blown out by them on Wednesday or Tuesday. So you know, just protecting my ass here. 
Oh, Seton Hall. We could we could do we could do an hour on Seton Hall right now. We'd have to get Which, which is bizarre that we even have, we can even mention that. But nonetheless, moving <laughs> moving on. Uh, we're gonna move back to the ACC with this next overreaction. Uh, the ACC won't have a single team in the Sweet 16 this year. Right now, in fielding the 68, we have five teams in: Miami, NC State, Virginia, Duke, Pitt, North Carolina. Next four out will probably move up this week or tomorrow. Greg, you answer that one first. Yeah, I think they're going to get six in because I'm going to I'm going to say North Carolina gets there. Um, just playing the numbers game. I'm going to say that they will have at least one team in the Sweet 16. I don't think this conference is good, but I do think the top half of the conference could come close to replicating what they did last. Like, I I buy Miami if they get hot. I love that backcourt. I buy NC State's backcourt. I think NC State's absolutely a team that if they get the right draw, like if they're an eight or a nine potentially, and they catch Purdue – yeah, like that's what that's what our thing is right now is is NC State is in the same we get Purdue in the second round. Yeah, and but they, I love but they get Kentucky in the first round. Does that worry you at all? That's <laughs> it worries me a lot. But like, yeah, I think you take if you're taking one or none, you take one and just hope somebody mm-hmm. gets there. But I don't think it'll be Virginia or Duke or North Carolina though. So no, it'll be the others. I'm kind of in on I'm kind of in on Duke at this point. Okay, really, just considering that they are like in that eight, nine, ten seed range in most projections. I'm I'm in on. I think that they're better than that. I think they're like a top twenty five team now. Hmm. I think Lively's figured some things out. I think Roach looks a little healthier. Proctor's kind of figured some things out. Um, I give John John Shire a ton of credit. Like John Shire and John Calipari to me, um, it's not. The way that I evaluate coaches is not necessarily like how, if you live up to your preseason expectations. It's like when shit goes wrong, can you get it fixed? Yeah. Right. When 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 something when 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 shit hits the fan, can you find a way to write it? And I think John's done a really good job. Um, but look, Miami's going to make a Sweet Sixteen. They're just they're just going to. Like that's what Jim Laranega does. Like he finds ways to make runs in the tournament. Like, they're going to make a Sweet Sixteen. So yes. Give me that. I don't even remember what the question was, but I'm taking I'm taking the over. Miami's in the Sweet 16. It was one or none, so. There you go. P.Y., what do you got? I'm thinking about, has has Dariq Whitehead lived up to his, I mean, I know he started the season off injured. Has he been that factor that everyone kind of thought he would be? He got hurt, then he got sick, then he got hurt again, and now he's just like finally coming back into his own. Um, but he's he's been playing better. Uh, let me bring up the stats so I have them in front of me. But he's 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 been playing, but he's kind of figured it out a little bit as much as you can when like you never have a chance to actually really get in shape for college basketball, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Is one or one or none it's the sweet sixteen? Yeah. I think one. I, I, I can side with you there with Miami. Uh even though that was a surprising loss to FSU. To say the least, and I don't. Yeah, that was really bad. How does that happen? You can't. You can't blow a twenty-five lead. They blew a twenty-five point lead at home against Florida State with the ACC regular season title on the line. Like on the line. Yeah, that's horrible. That's hard to do. That is hard. Also prompted the best tweet of the weekend when uh, John Ruiz was uh, discovered for shit talking Florida State with a thirty-point lead. 
<laughs> Go look it up if you yeah. didn't see it. It's a good one. It's a good one. All right, our final overreaction, and then we will get to a few questions before toasts. Auburn, a team that has been safely in the tournament for quite a while. Overreaction, they will miss the NCAA tournament this year. So right now they are currently a 10 seed uh, at fielding the 68. I know Brad Wachtel had them as an 11 seed as of Friday. Um, so uh, just for, for clarity, they are 19 and 10 overall, 2 and 8 against Quadrant 1 opponents. They have a Quad 2 loss, a Quad 3 loss. They are 8 and 9 against the top two quadrants, 36 in the net uh, in that same range in, the, in, in Ken Palm. Here are their big wins. Uh, Arkansas at home, Northwestern on a neutral. And then their next best win is Mississippi State and Missouri at home, Bradley on a neutral. They really have not done much other than beat a shorthanded Arkansas team at home. Also, their next two games are at Alabama and versus Tennessee. So it doesn't get any easier. They, they got to be Tennessee. They have to be Tennessee. Yeah, they're not going to be Alabama. They have to be Tennessee. I, I, I'm not super high on Tennessee right now with their – that South Carolina game is forget that the one before that their half court offense kind of stinks it really does. I mean, they, they turn it over often. Zakai Ziegler and I love him. He's, he's a hell of a competitor. Two of 11 from the three point line. Why is it, is there no other option for to, to try to get a solid basket, but just to throw it up at the end of the clock. I mean, coach Barnes is, he, they, they play super elite defense, but all, you know, going to this game, Auburn's got to win. They got to beat Tennessee. If they, if they, and I said this a while back, I said, Auburn, they're not a lock to make it to the tournament. They, they were never a lock for me. Um, them beating Missouri at home and the way that they did it changed my opinion a little bit. And I thought they would compete with Kentucky better. Um, but I, you know, I expect the same result this Wednesday uh, without against Alabama getting blown out there. And then Tennessee, they have not, they have a chance. They got a chance in the jungle and Neville, in Neville arena. They, it's similar to Maryland, when they're at home, it's a different story. Uh, and if they make it the tournament, I can't see them making it out of the first weekend being, you know, as high as a 10 or 11 seed. Uh, I agree with everything you guys said for the record. I don't have anything to add to it, but I do have a question that popped up into my mind while we were going through the, especially the Tennessee element of this. If you guys had to sell one top 10 team, Let's take like Ken Palm top 10. Who is the number one team you are just completely out on? So I'll read the teams real quick. Houston. You don't even have to, you don't even have to read them. You, you got them. It it's just Tennessee. It's Tennessee. Yeah. Is that you too, Pat? Oh yeah. You sell, are you selling Tennessee more than St. Mary's Rob? St. Mary's is in top. Are you, are you looking at net rankings? Where's looking... Tennessee ranked in the, Ken, uh, in Ken Palm? Tennessee's okay, fourth, fourth. I'm looking Mary's at ranked. Oh, eighth. Yeah. Yeah, I'm selling. I'm selling Tennessee. They're at four. So here, all right. Here's my here's my take on it. And tell me if you think this is crazy. I think Tennessee has a significantly higher floor than St. Mary's because they are like you're. They're not going to get upset. They are too big and physical to get upset by somebody in the first round. But someone that can come close to matching their level of of physicality and size and athleticism, like they're just not. They're just not that good. Right. They, they will struggle with a solid big man. I mean, I'm not talking at 25. A solid big man. They have nobody's going to match up. Yep. Nobody can match up. But they have. But that's that's a a huge kryptonite for them. 
and part of the reason they're ranked where they're ranked is because they just they they beat some bad teams like eighty five to forty five, right? That that yeah. that influences some of the metrics. Whereas yeah. St. Mary's, like, I think they're more liable to get picked off by somebody early. But I trust their guard play. I trust what Randy Bennett can scheme up. Man, uh, I, I think Randy that they are good enough on the defensive end that. I, I would not be surprised to see them as a five seed find a way to get into the Sweet 16, depending on what their matchup is. Whereas Tennessee, like, they could very easily lose in the second round. And I think a lot of people look at Tennessee as a Final Four threat because of where they've been all season long. Whereas St. Mary's is just kind of like that plucky WCC team that just keeps winning and is ranked where they are because they play in a shitty league and they just keep winning. Does that make sense? Like, it's not just yeah. what they are on Ken Palm. It's kind of like the public perception of what each team is. Yeah, it does. I think, uh, yeah, my angle on that would be more just like forget what the public perception is. Which team are you the most out on? But Tennessee's a fair answer. I also, if I could pay money, if I could write a check right now to guarantee that my Michigan Wolverines could get Rick Barnes in the second round of the NCAA tournament, done. <laughs> Sign, signed, sealed, delivered. Line it up for me. Uh, my answer would have been UCLA for the record. I'm out. I'm, I'm selling. It's spicy, but I'm selling. Mm. Fair enough. All right. That's anything wild. else? That's, that's wild to me, by the way. Like that. <laughs> I, I was gonna throw away before Rob could even rebuttal. But yeah, I don't. No, like I, I don't. Like I'm not saying that you're wrong. Like there's, there's not a single team in this in in college basketball this year that I'm gonna sit here and be like, you're wrong for doubting them. Every yeah. single team has like, no one is really that good. Right, like there's there's a bunch of teams that normally would be like the eighth best team in college basketball. That's what we got this year, which is why it's going to be awesome. Um, but I'm just I can't believe that you are so out on UCLA. I don't know, man. I like the two USC games stick in my head in a big way, where like they just yeah, had chances to close the door and didn't. USC is not a good team. That's a team they'll see in the first or second round potentially in the NCAA tournament. Like I don't know. I just. They haven't beaten anybody good, and their wins, they did. I mean, Maryland at Maryland is an awesome win. Outside of that, kind of rolling my eyes at it, but we'll see. Was that All a right. share for the WCC? Who's was that? that? Was it outright or was it a share? With they Mary's? shared it, but they're going to be the one seed. St. Mary's is the one seed, but they shared the regular season title with Gonzaga. Also, why is Gonzaga playing Chicago State on Wednesday? Can I? You know, I saw that? that. I saw it earlier today, Greg, and I didn't know if that was real or not. <laughs> That's what? so stupid. That's so stupid. So we're doing Drew Timmy Senior Night against Chicago State at 9 p.m. on a Wednesday, so he can score 50 points. That's what we're doing. Yeah. What are we doing? This was yeah, an electric atmosphere. I mean... It was an electric atmosphere for the biggest game of the year. That's Senior Night. I don't get it. Why? Sorry, <laughs> I thought I accidentally hit like the the go the whole way back to the beginning of the season thing. ESPN today when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, just insane. And rant. Really, but, I didn't even realize they were doing that. That's really strange. Yeah, it bothers me big time. Powerhouse right. Chicago State. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, why not? What are you going to do? Right. Uh, I have hey, one question, else? and then I, I will let you guys get the toasts. And this is coming from me. Well, it's, it's been mentioned in the chat a few times, but it's going to come from me. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on Arizona State? Now, NCAA tournament hopes. Just beat Arizona. Have USC, UCLA to round out the season? I think they still got to get one more win. You got to beat one of those two teams. You beat UCLA, you're in. Um, I still think you got to get one more win 
and then probably not have a terrible loss in the Pac-12. I just they have first four written all over them to me. Like, is there is there a more first four team than like Bobby Hurley with a team that puts up ninety points and plays no defense? Like that is that that is why the first four was invented for fucking Arizona State. Come on, what are we doing here? Right? No? Am I crazy? No, I think you're right. I really think you're right, Pat. What do you think? Yeah, looking at this, who they got to finish it off? Uh, they they have a gauntlet. They have, US, they have Arizona, USC, UCLA. Obviously, they they check one of those off on Saturdays. So. Almost think they have to win both of those. Just who set them up with that? By the way, at Arizona, at UCLA, at USC to end the season. That's tough. <laughs> That's ridiculous. somebody needs to call the Pac-12 conference immediately. Goodness gracious! That's brutal. Oh, I have, I have a question for you guys, and I'm curious what, what you think about this. So I'm going to read you off the teams that are kind of like in the bubble-ish conversation, like 10 seeds through the first four out that we have right now. Um, it is Boise State, Pitt, Auburn, Nevada, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, USC, Wisconsin, Mississippi State, Utah State, Charleston, Penn State, New Mexico. And then even if you want to go to the 12 seeds, the auto bids, VCU, Oral Roberts, Utah Valley, Drake. Out of that group, like who can you see? Is there anyone that you like to be able to make like a deep run? You know what I mean? Like, is there anyone that can do what UCLA did in 2021? Is there any any of these teams that are just going to be so egregiously underseeded um, that that you can like you you think that they can do what VCU did in uh, in 2011? You know what I mean, I'm saying? Got to believe in one of them, right? Uh, I had one. I had one that I I don't know that I can even say after tonight's result. We didn't even talk say about it. it. But my say answer was my answer was Penn State before they blew tonight. I mean, they had a massive, massive lead at home against Rutgers, and Rutgers comes back and steals it because they scored three points in ten minutes. But um, I think they had the formula, though. I don't know how they get in now. They have to win two this week, go two and zero, oh, and then maybe they're in the conversation. But like. I mean, Jalen Pickett will be the best point guard in essentially any game they'll play in the NCAA tournament. And the way Penn State plays, if you catch them on a night when they shoot 50% from three, there's not a lot you can do. Yeah. But they got to get there. So mine might, be, mine might be crazy, Pat. I think Memphis can do it. Memphis? Ooh. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Final Four, but I, I think Memphis is like the double-digit seed that I like to be able to to make a little bit of noise. Sweet 16, kind of a run. Kendrick Davis is a fucking stud, man. That kid can go. He gets the line so well, too. I'm going to go with West Virginia. I'm going to go with West Virginia. I think think they're going to – they can upset somebody. Uh, Not not a final four, but I think with their defense being hardened by the Big 12 in that league – Think they definitely Eric Stevenson playing. It's something about SEC guys leaving and going to other conferences and just exploding. Bryce Hopkins, um, and there's another guy as well. Okay. Uh uh Jockel Joyner at NC State. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh so I'm going with I'm going with West Virginia. I think they can they're in that, that 11 spot right now with where we got. I, I can see them making it out the first weekend. I, I got a more. question on West Virginia quickly. So they're they're five and eleven in Big Twelve play right now. I, I'd assume just to get to the tournament, they probably need two and zero this week. But like, coming from your perspective as a player, like, should a team that goes seven and eleven in their conference 
really get into the tournament? Like, it's at some point, doesn't that matter? I know that's not how it works, but like, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Like, they they end the year with twelve Big Twelve losses if they lose one in the conference tournament. If they go two and zero this week, yeah, you make a good point. I mean, Mississippi State is like six, seven, and nine right now, and they're kind of solidly placed in there right now. I don't know. It's gosh, you make a great point, but. When it comes to our our quality of those wins and losses, being in the Big Twelve, every single one of those games is yeah is credible and doesn't hurt you as bad as, as most of them do. You got you got to win win the games you're supposed to win, and and you can't lose the the games that you're supposed to win. I don't think West Virginia's lost any games that that bad. I mean, what they did to Florida earlier this year, goodness gracious, thirty piece. Um, what is Rob dying at? <laughs> so, did you guys see what Damian Lillard? did tonight he went fucking nuts um one of the trolls that works for this company retweeted another college basketball media member from a tweet from 2012 where he said i'm a big fan of damian lillard but i'd rather have scott machado running my team you can uh you can guess who tweeted that uh, <laughs> wow but that, that is why that is why i'm sitting here cracking up because I got that notification, and um, trolls are going to troll, man. That was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. All right, Dagan, we got anything else, man, before no, we get us? Our... No, no, no. Actually, there is one thing. We can just say a quick word on it because Trevor thought he was going to get out of here with us not talking about it tonight. Uh, so, Oh, yeah, we got to talk about Illinois, yeah, man. Illinois, losing to Ohio State. What's going on there? Hopefully he's still great, listening. Great, great, great. Seriously. Like, okay, I, I got I, – please explain this team to me. Because I do not understand them. They make no sense to me. I, I, I do not get who, Illinois? how you can have a team. Yes, how you can have a team that can look like they are a surefire Final Four team. And then also, at the same time, can go on the road and lose to Ohio State, who hasn't won a game <laughs> in like six years. Uh, what man, the fuck our, is going on our, with this team? Our own Trevor just uh, texted and said we don't have to do this. Oh no! Yes, that. we do. We definitely do. Yeah, we do. We do. No, so I I feel like I'm pretty dialed in on Illinois at this point. I thought they would win and cover today, and they didn't. So maybe I'm stupid for saying that, but uh, nothing surprises me with them anymore. And clearly, on their A game, they can beat anybody. We know that. I would also point out that their big win this season was UCLA. You know how I feel about UCLA. I'm kind of selling them right now. So. I like to me, I said this on the last show we did last week. To me, they they don't even know how they want to win a basketball game. And the best thing we can say about Illinois is they can beat you so many different ways. I would rather have a team that has one to two ways they know they want to beat you and do it every single game and assert their will because it's a great way to win a basketball game. I don't want to have to hope or roll the dice and figure out if Matthew Meyer is going to make shots today or if Coleman is going to put up a triple-double instead of six turnovers. Like, There's just no consistency to it. It looks like a team that was built around guys who are playing their first three months in a program. You can build winning teams off that. This team is a winning team to an extent, but it's not a team that has ever found its way to win basketball games. They still don't know. They still don't know if Terrence Shan's going to show up or not. Um, and that's why I'm out. Like they're, I, it's a team that absolutely, like you could say, could get hot in March. But if you want to really hang a banner, right, it's win six consecutive games. There's no good team in the country that's 
a less consistent or less inconsistent than Illinois is. So they, they could literally beat anyone and literally lose to anyone, lose anyone. And, and nothing would surprise me from this yeah. team. It's just kind of, I, I have no idea how you bet them, Greg. I have no idea how you bet them because it is just, uh, you're just throwing darts. You're just guessing. That's yeah. all it is. Like, there's no logic to it. It's just like, hey, you know what? I think Matthew Meyer did enough fasting over the course of the last two days where he's going to wake up this morning and he's going to feel like he actually wants to go play basketball. Yeah, it's not good. Or he's not. Like, that's that's literally what it's going to end up being with this team, man. It's it's not good. The best thing that could happen for <laughs> Illinois is somehow they get like a, a Texas Tech Baylor draw which I know isn't even logistically possible in the NCAA tournament to have two teams from a conference in a pod and Texas tech isn't going to make it anyway. But like, if you could give those two stars their revenge games in the NCAA tournament, I'm all in because you know, they'd show up, but uh, watch them get, I don't know. I don't even know who some mid-major team that they think they can sleepwalk over. And they're going to be what, like an eight, nine seed at this point. Like they can't avoid the big dogs. Honestly, I don't even, I don't even think it's like that they're going to wake up and say, I'm going to sleepwalk over somebody. I think it's just kind of like, they're just like, Hey, you know what? I don't, I'm I'm not feeling it today. I don't think I'm going to play hard. (laughs) I I, I think that's what it is. My my, my sleepers co-host Carter Elliott, friend of the field of 68 has long said in a joking manner, I think that Matthew Meyer just doesn't like basketball. He's the best basketball player that doesn't like basketball. I I don't. I, Carter says that in jest, but I I don't think that that's necessarily like. There's the guys that are the guys that are great, right? Are the dudes that can't function without like working out and practicing, right? Like Ka- Kawhi Leonard. There's there's a screw loose. Like I, I mean, this is a compliment. There's a screw loose because that dude will literally just sit in the gym and work out for 16 hours a day if people did not stop him from doing that. Kobe Bryant was the same way. LeBron James is this like th- th- those guys are freaks in terms of their work ethic. Matthew Meyer is just not like he's just uh, one guy close to that program when we saw him um, in Bloomington was like that's the most talented dude I've ever seen that works the least. Like he just is he the, everything he does is just like natural ability. He's not in there doing two ball dribbling drills every morning, right? Like he's not getting up at uh, at six a.m. and going and getting a thousand shots up on the gun. That's not what he does. Like he just shows up and he plays and he hoops. Yeah. And they say the opposite about Terrence Shannon. For the record, yeah, what I've heard is like he's the he's the three a.m. workout guy. They need to merge those two into one guy, and then I would yeah. which is just so away. completely un- like that, that pisses me off so much. Like the whole thing is he woke up at 420 every morning to go get shots up. Like, why do you need to be up at 4 a.m. to go get shots up? <laughs> why? Like, there's no reason. There's literally no. All you're doing is fucking up your sleep schedule. Yeah. Like, wake up at 630 and go do it. It's functionally the same thing. You're yeah. still going to be able to get your afternoon workout in. You're still going to be able to get an evening workout in. You're going to get a full eight hour. What, what the? Why? Why wake up? You know why. You know why? It's just to shot. say that, just to yeah. say that he could do it. Like it just, of course, it's the dumbest. Like I, yeah, I don't know. I respect it. What was Pat? What's the earliest you ever worked out consistently at? Pat's you doing bicep curls when he, like guy? in his in his sleep. Right? Uh, he sets an alarm at three a.m. because like yeah, I gotta get I gotta get a tricep pumping <laughs> real quick. No, oh uh, gosh, consistently when I was training in P three in Atlanta in 2018 it was 8 a.m every day but it's like that and that's fine because you need to sleep 
That's you, a you perfect got, workout time. Gotta, you like, get weights, then you know you take a break in the middle of the day, chill out, and then you go hit the hit the gym. The, like go go on the court and get shots up, work on your skill. But yeah, Pat, let me ask you when you when you work out, is it like? For me, it's got to be weights in the morning. Like you can't do anything that requires any kind of like mental processing early on. Like weights, you just kind of go there and it's like I'm going to move some heavy shit for a while, right? Uh, so when, <laughs> when I was training with my boys, uh, my old strength coach, she put a made a pro. Like I, I don't want to go in there and think. I, I just just like all right, this it's your turn, Pat. Two minutes have passed. It's your turn to get the reps in. So I, I just need the program to be made and guys to be with me, and then I'm not going to. We're just going to get it done. Other than that, yeah, I don't want to think too much uh, when I'm in the gym in the more early, like six in the morning. It's after that, then I feel like, okay, I'm here, I'm ready to attack today. But yeah, all right. So I'm going to start lifting weights. Uh, I think what I got two months, right? If I do it for the next two months, I'll be hitting the beach and looking like you down you there. Start, right? Start, start slow. Start small. Don't overdo Heading it. Down to the Jersey Shore, gonna be down in Wildwood, looking like Patrick Young over there, just flexing. Look at me, oh. allergic to sleeves. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, <laughs> Rob! I'm I'm sending you a text at 4:20 in the morning today. Peloton workout buddies starting tonight. Let's, we'll see how let's it goes. Let's do it. Hey, who's your uh, who's your who's your go-to trainer? Cody Kendall. Kendall, that's Cody? my girl. Yeah, Kendall. It's Kendall for me too. Kendall and Kendall and At. At's a little too much sometimes. Like sometimes you got you got to be ready. Yeah. You got to say, all right, this I'm ready for him to like to get after it. If you're not ready for that level, don't don't do it. Yeah. Like it's when I I need I need at like when I get in that moment where it's kind of like I'm feeling a little bit down like do I really want to do this because he's gonna have a moment in there where he just pumps you up and you're like you know what you're right at I'm ready to run (laughs) through this wall you're right yeah you you know what I hear you right here Kendall I I I I do Kendall's rides for the the music sometimes you gotta like put her on mute like she gets Cody Rigsby was was a spin train the Peloton trainer I didn't know I needed in my life. Yeah, he's good. You, you just feel good after every ride with that guy. He just makes me feel bad because I can't dance. <laughs> All right, can you please go to toast? This is a yeah, wonderful no, conversation. Nobody wants but let's to please that. go to toast. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's toast. If you want to toast to your Peloton instructor, you can. Rob, who you got? Oh, shit, you're putting me on the spot, huh? Uh, well, you've only had 91 <laughs> minutes to prepare. I know, I was distracted. Oh, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to toast uh, Derek Simpson. Came off the bench today for Rutgers. 16 points, six boards, a couple of assists, six for 14 from the floor. Integral in a come from behind 59 to 56 win for Rutgers. That kind of keeps them right there in that bubble conversation. Uh, They probably should be an NCAA tournament team. I don't know if that would necessarily have been the case. Had they lost this game, there could have been an argument going the other direction. Derek Simpson, Mount Laurel, New Jersey. He's a guy. My son is going to go to the same high school that he went to. So that's a local boy. I'm all in. Derek Simpson, cheers to you, sir. Wow. I don't have anything to drink, but cheers. Me neither. At least it's better than fake drinking like you used to do. I know. I was a fraud. You called me out. Pat, who you got? I'm going with Rick Patino and Iona. Mm-hmm. They just beat Sienna, top four team in the MAC, by 33. Still, They still got to win there. Obviously, win the conference tournament, but look at Coach Patino making a making a making a run, making something happen here. They clinched that. That's the uh, they clinched a share of the title now, right? Yes, no, they, they did. The title, yeah, they clinched it outright because they're up by they're up three games on Ryder because Ryder lost to Mount St. Mary's today, so they won the outright 
Mac, Matt Ack, not the Mac, the Matt Ack regular season title. That's a scary team in the tournament, by the way. You're looking for like a first round upset. That's a team a lot of people are going to circle, I think. So to Rick Pitino, uh, you guys know where my toast is going. Come on. What else is it? It's right there. It's Hunter Dickinson. You know what? In fact, uh, excuse me. Sorry. Let me just put this on real quick. Oh, man. We stole a win today, boys. We stole a win. (laughs) That's what Hunter did. That's what I did. I worked hard for this. It's been a long year. The ski mask is on. We went in. We stole a win. We're going to steal an NCAA tournament bid, too. We're going to steal a second weekend while we're at it. Jawan Howard and the Wolverines, boys. That's all I have to say. Your mouth's on a little crooked. Yeah, it's not. This is homemade, Pat. I don't just operate with ski masks in the Waddell household. There you go. That's, 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 Thank that's you. better. That's I appreciate it. Off the rails quickly. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. It's way too late. Uh, for Patrick Young, for <laughs> Bob Doster, for Dagan Hughes, for Greg Waddell, for Hunter Dickinson, for the Michigan Wolverines, this is the